Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. As always, my name is Brad and I am joined by Alex. Alex, say hi. Hello. And we have a very special guest with us today. It is the MTG Drip King himself. Jay, say hello. Hello. So for those of you who don't know, Jay, he is an aficionado on Twitter for all things MTG Drip. If you bling out your deck or get anything flashy to showcase, whether it's Japanese foils or masterpieces or incredibly expensive, hard to find rares that are just not printed anymore, show them to him and he will definitely give his drip approval. Now, so Jay's joining us and we did an episode last week. And the thing with what we were kind of doing in typical pioneer perspective fashion, we were getting off track. Mostly I was getting off track. I'll take the blame for this. And I was looking through Scryfall while we're going over the challenges. And I'm just kind of picking out cool cards that I thought were interesting. And I'm like, I didn't even know this was in pioneer. Like the one that made the five, five worm for four mana with at instant speed. We're talking about bank control last week. Um, so we thought it'd be a cool thing to do on this episode, bringing Jay on to go ahead and talk about just cards that we feel should see more play in pioneer in general, whether those cards are overall build arounds, uh, just tech cards that we talked about, like Alex talked about with hallowed moonlight in the past, uh, looking at things like Winota and Phoenix or overall archetypes. We're going to kind of go look at all of them. And we wanted to start off with Jay being our guest. Uh, you want to talk about some general archetypes, things like that. So Jay, what did you have in mind for what you think should see more play in pioneer? Um, yeah, I had a couple ideas. One of my first thoughts was actually something like a um like a dragon's deck. I really okay. want to see something like a um because I believe there are a decent amount of dragons in um pioneer right now with like Pulseman, uh Thunderbreak Regent, Glorybringer, Stormbreath Dragon, things of that nature. Also Colagon's um Colagon Storm Fury. I really think we have something there that we can build off of. Yeah, and then we also did get some other cards that just say like things about dragons. Like there's what Dragon's Fire was from the AFR, I believe. Yeah, yeah, um, Tiamat. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, we've got Draconic Roar from uh, Tarkir, so that's like your move back. We have Silumgar Scorn. So even in the Is It Dragons deck we saw for a while, because Is It Dragons came up a little bit when Call Time came out, right? People were trying to make Goldspan Dragon work. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't really know where that deck went. Um, I got a feeling it, works. it just got a little over overshadowed as like, is it Phoenix being the primary is it deck that people play? So like the moment people look at is it, is it they're like, oh, I guess I'll play Phoenix. Um, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I know uh, Foam, one of the friends of the show, he, he's, uh, he's been playing is it Dragons and Pioneer. I'll have to get his actual list because I, I know he's been playing that. But I believe it's been, it's felt more like an is it control list for him, where mm -hmm. he's running things like Gordbringer and like Goldspan Dragon. But I think those are like the only dragons he's running. Oh, you also have Sprite Dragon as an option. That That is a dragon. So you could go with a lower to the ground, like spell slingy dragon deck that can make use of. Um, do we have any other ways to make treasures to, to ramp in is it that aren't like mm. bad? At least in Pretty that kind of I mean, yeah, that's true. You can run like hand. festival volatility, which can be a way to to ramp. There's that, isn't there like that dragon vial thing or something? That little artifact that allows you to ramp into dragons. There is an artifact that does let you do that. Um, which one was that called? Yeah. 
Because, like, I'm looking at all the stuff on Scryfall that just mentions dragons. There's also Sarkin, the three-mana planeswalker, if you really wanted to do it. <laughs> that one lets you ramp. Sarkin is gas. Um, and isn't there Treasure Horde as well? Isn't, wasn't that a card? Yeah, a uh, Dragon's Horde. Uh, that's the uh, three-mana yeah, three mana rock. And when you cast a dragon, you put a counter on it. You can cash those counters in uh, to draw cards. That might be pretty cool. Yeah, I kind of like that. I do love dragons in general. And I think a cool thing is like when you see certain archetypes and certain tribes represented in magic, we talked about this before in the past, where those are the best gateways to bring people on and play magic. Because mm-hmm. like, look, you can play with elves, you can play with dragons, vampires, like zombies. That's usually the best. Like if I say, hey, you can you can play, you know, Winota. No one's gonna give a shit outside like, what's of magic. A, what's a Winota? <laughs> exactly. Right. Like, even though Winota's a really cool deck and they might enjoy playing it, you gotta have that gateway drug right. of their like so that little twinge in their brain that's like, I like this. I'm gonna go play it. By the way, the the card I was referred to is Orb of Dragonkind from AFR. Yeah. Uh, one on a red for an artifact. Got two activated abilities. One. Uh, one colorless tap at two mana and any combination of colors. Spend this only to cast dragon spells or activate abilities of dragons. And then it has red tap sack. Look at the top seven cards of your library, reveal a dragon from among them, put them into your hand. So this is a a pretty solid way of um, ramping into your dragons, though it, it's a little annoying that the two mana, like that, it's annoying that we no longer have tribal. Right, like it would be really cool if there, if like the draconic roar and stuff were dragon instances of sorceries. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you could like drop this on three, uh, and then with that one mana up, you could either have that removal spell or the simcar scorn for double blue. Um, but yeah, I think dragons mm-hmm. is a really cool, really cool archetype, and I, I, I think one that has potential because we see like these cards seeping in. And they seem to be obsessed with Sarkin. I think we get like a Sarkin every three months now. Yeah. Well, around about a Sarkin every three to six months. There's a good amount of them. It makes me want to play the uh, the Planeswalker Sarkin. Well, the Planeswalker Matter Sarkin, like the Super Friends. Those are my favorite ones. It's about the five mana one. Yeah, it turns everyone into dragons. Oh, that one's really cool. I like that one a lot. There is one card that I thought was really cool um, that we've seen Alex pop up in like some random like list as a one of like when we'd look through challenges like a few months ago and it was Dragon Master Outcast. And it's just mm-hmm. like it was cool to see it. The one mana one one human shaman. And if at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control uh, six or more lands, you make a five five dragon to- uh, token with flying. I think that one's cute. No one I think of it a dragon deck, though. But it is a, well, it is a cool that's card. It's a one of dragons. You gotta get I'll, the six mana anyway, right? I'll, I'll play that in the Team of Dragons deck when there's ramp. Yeah. True. Now, one dragon that actually I, I had on my list of like build arounds is kind of not necessarily in, in regards to a dragon deck, but it was Dracuseth, because that was one of the best reanimation targets that we had, or we currently have in the format. So I was thinking mm-hmm. of like a reanimation type deck. Center around Dracuseth or anything like that. I remember we had um, Bond of Revival. We still have it. It's from War. The five mana gives the thing haste when you reanimate it. Then you have mm-hmm. like Blood for Bones and stuff like that. Are there any other like better reanimation spells in general or like reanimation targets? Um, 
well, I th I think if you're if you're looking at uh, doing animation thing for Drakiseth, you might actually rather be looking at a ramp thing. Like there's there's fewer cards that are better to follow up an Iron Crack feat with um, than Drakiseth. And and to be frank, you could do both, right? If you find another large thing that is either just red or colorless that you could either reanimate or ramp into. Um, that could be a way to have both those alleys. Do we? But we want to give it uh, haste, though. Is one thing because, like, the problem with Dragoseth is the fact that, like, it comes in and it doesn't do anything on its own unless you give it haste, which is which you is could, why uh, the modern revival thing was there. You could dollhouse it with a new dollhouse card that just makes oh, yeah. gives you a one-one copy with haste, but you don't really care. Its stats are cool. But like the fact that it just shoots down the whole board is yeah. there is rumor of dolls being in Pioneer. That would be cool. I mean, it, it can just be. I mean, you can think of like a GSP deck as well. Um, or I'm sorry, not GSP, GPG. <laughs> That's, yeah, not not George Saint Pierre, the MMA fighter from French Canada. Uh, <laughs> That's that's not who I was thinking of. But yes, Godfrey's gift. Um, you could do like a uh, copies five through eight of Godfrey's gift and that kind of style deck. Um, yeah, which I do love. I do love a Godfrey's gift deck, and we also have Faithless Mending now. Get some champion of what's action going. Oh yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, casting champion wits or like cheating it out and just getting the the, the draws is. Very, very maybe, nice. Maybe, my maybe you slide things. in a little, uh, little Scarab God at the end of turn. It's funny. Um, a... We were talking about the Scarab God, uh, what, yesterday or the day before, Alex? Um, with the, uh, we were talking about like getting people to play Magic or like ways to like, if someone's interested in the game, like how do you like tell them how to? Or not tell them, but like garner interest. And I was talking about like the wizard thing. Or like I asked yeah, them, like, yeah, if you're yeah. a wizard, you had to fight someone to the death. Basically, the prompt was like, if you're a wizard, ignoring the game of magic altogether, if you were just a wizard and you can cast any kind of spell you want, and you thought like and you had to fight another wizard to the death, how would you do it? And a friend of mine was saying that she would basically dodge and you know use like have like this like keen sense of like knowing what her opponents can do before they do it and dodge all their attacks and eventually turn their attacks against them. That's a blue deck. <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly so i came up with the um it was blue steal your shit deck uh, it was blue black demir so you have like um the new siphon insight the one that the answer speed has flashback look at the top two cards pick one you can cast it later um thief of sanity um what's the one from uh eldraine the uh, the four mana like like thought sees but like covetous exile, urge or something is that the yeah covetous urge yep has all the hybrid mana and then Scarab God on the top end of being like, I can also take shit out of your graveyard. And then I'd uh, hostage taker to take stuff on fields too. Uh, too. But yeah, uh, that... Now, I just want to play with Scarab God now. <laughs> Give me a deck. Give me a good deck with Scarab God. Grixis Control. It's not... No, no. <laughs> and not Niv-Mizzet either. I don't want to play Niv-Delight. I know they always have like a random one of a fucking... The Scarab Whatever God. they feel like. Yeah, yes, we do. Yeah, yes, we do. <sighs> Are you a Niv player? Um, I'm a Niv player. I'm an Arclight player. Um, I I have access to everything. Oh, within reason. Yeah, 
I've, I've been the same way. There's just those two decks being Niv and Arclight Phoenix, I they just never invested in because I was like, I don't have any interest in playing them. So I've been playing like Monobike Vampires. Now I'm splashing white for Orzov to play Edgar. Uh, Edgar. And Deafening Silence on the board. Thank you for that, Alex. I've been doing that. It's been very good. Um, and then I just put together Mono White Legendaries. We got, um, what, Just Guy Ascendancy. We got a bunch of other shit. I have like all the cores. But yeah, that's the best thing because anytime Alex wants to play, I'm like, what do you want to test against? I'll save right. it up. But we're here to talk about things that aren't what you find on the Goldfish page. Uh, <laughs> True. Jay, what's another archetype you're, you know, if you're trying to innovate, what you'd be looking at? Um, I've been really interested in Ishkana lately. Ooh. And like, the reason why is because like, there's like, there's a bunch of birds flying around. And Ishkana, yeah. Ishkana like, kind of kills all that. Now, are you thinking to make use of Delirium or like straight up like, can we make a spider tribal as much to uh, Alex's dismay being an arachnophobe? I really want to be Delirium because there are a bunch of Delirium cards I want to try. Yeah, we have seen Delirium pop up a little tiny bit in Soltai. Mm -hmm. um, would you prefer staying with Soltai or would you try to go to like a different color? Well, prefer Soltai because... I want to kind of use Last Hope. I want to. I want to use Liliana Last Hope. Mm -hmm. And I would also like to um, make use of my graveyard as much as possible, and also command a Dread Horse as a thing too. It's like, oh, all my stuff's in the graveyard. I want it back. What would you think? Because you know, um, Delirium was a thing when we had Uro around. So there has been a lot of yeah. experimentation around that archetype. But we've had some, you know, some new cards. Uh, I'm thinking like Mulch, the new Renan 7, potentially, that are the type of cards that can fuel um, a Delirium-type uh, shell. Or would you even be looking at, because you mentioned Commander Dread Order, that made me think of the deck people played in Standard back then, where you're looking at that Explore package. Um, mm -hmm. is, is that something you'd be looking to if you try, or do you... Do you oh, that's something I will have to very heavily test. That was something yeah, I'll have. Packages. The score package is something I would definitely have to test over multiple times. Yeah, because I, I would try it. I think it, it, it honestly, I think it doesn't sound too bad. You're looking at the, the Wild Growth Walker, um, you know, three toughness, which is actually a pretty good point to be at. And yeah. the life total goes up so much. Um, and the Explorer creatures make it so you keep making your land drop. So, like, even if you, like, Say you're playing against Phoenix, so you get the bounce off. And, you know, they get the bounce off with their horror, and they hit you for like 13 with the Phoenixes. At that point, your life total might just be 35, and you've made your land drop every turn, so you've got nine lands. So, like, who cares if you have to rebuild because you just played a Wild Growth Walker, play your Jade Light Rangers, Merfolk yeah. Branch Walkers, that sort of thing, and you're you're good to go immediately. Yeah. Yeah, I like the thought of that. Yeah, I think the Explore Package is a is a cool place to go to. And there's a decent amount of cards. I mean, you have Merfolk Branchwalker, Jade Light Ranger, um, Seeker Squire. Uh, if you really wanted to, you can be a bit more janky and go into a Path of Discovery. That way, all your creatures explore. Mm -hmm. um, there's also, I mean, is I don't even know if it's worth it, but there's Enter the Unknown. That's the one mana card, right? Yeah, it's the one mana sorcery that target creature you control explores. Um, and then you can play an additional land. So it's a little ramp. It 
it explores. Um, I don't know. That one might work. It's just we don't have that much explore stuff. So you're basically like really stuck with like your package of what? 12 cards being uh, well, 16 cards four Jaylet Ranger, four Merfolk Branch Walker, probably four Seeker Squire and then four Wild Growth Walker. So what mm-hmm. do you fill the rest with? You, I know you mm-hmm. want to do Command the Dreadhorde, which that, that's always really fun. But you need probably some more mid-rangey well, stuff to kind of go into, or even ramp stuff, top end. Hmm. I, I think an interesting place to take that is because we're, you know, you're because of a lot of Explore, and if you want to, and Explore always had this interesting thing about it, where if you want to turn Explore into card advantage, you want to run a lot of lands. But it's kind of also mm-hmm. a mechanic that allows you to shave lands. So it always kind of worked against itself in that way. Um, but what you could do is go for a high land count, turn it a little card advantage, but then run cards like maybe even Azusa or what is the three mana five five that allows you to play an extra land every turn? Uh, the the dinosaur, the yeah. wayward servant, yeah, wayward sword tooth, wayward wayward sword tooth, sword tooth, yeah. Yeah, 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 get your wayward sword tooth. Maybe get like your centaur courser in there, or the new augur of autumn that allows you to play both creatures or lands from the top of your library. And yeah. just like Cur- Cursor of Crewfix. Yeah, and that all that life total Cursor of Crewfix, uh, Wild Growth Walker, that life total panning might make it so, even though your Commander Dreadhorp might not be able to grab you like very intimidating cards, it can just grab you so much because you might be at like 40 life by the time you cast it. Mm-hmm. And you could even yeah. have that quick ramp element and you can be going. Command a dread horde and then some, even if you're only on like turn five, because you might be making two, three land drops every turn through cards like Azusa. Hmm. That's actually not a bad thought. I do like that. And I'm, I'm just, I'm yeah. looking at the other explore cards, seeing if there's anything else that like you could try. The only one I can see catching my eye at all is Dead Eye Tracker. Uh, just because I know it's bad, but just because of the graveyard hate. But at that point, I'd probably rather play. Graveyard uh, Trespasser as a four of the yeah. deck, just as a, a, a way to round out your or, curve and just have a threat. Or even Scoos, right? If you're looking at having yeah, a lot of lands to play, something and like Scoos. And Life Gain is, is, it helps with the Command the Dreadhorde plan. No, you don't want to make the mistake hmm. of eat your own graveyard if your plan is Command the Dreadhorde. That's true. Oh, no, we'll I definitely would. play Emperor's Vanguard. That's what we really want to play. The four mana four three. <laughs> Was that one so weird? That was my like, pre-release just... promo. I was so sad. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I still have it. Same. I have it somewhere. I'll try and find I'll it. Because I'll never, I'll never get rid of it. Because it's like twenty cents. <laughs> Who wants it? All right. Someone please n- take n- it. Now that we have the expert on, actually, uh, pre-release stamp. Is it good drip or bad drip? Uh, it depends. Depends on what it is like. So like now nowadays, like we're at the point like if you 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 realistically you probably should be getting like solar foils because that's yeah like, yeah that's, that's fair. like fair drip. But like pre-release stamp, yeah. Okay, do I drip. get? Do I get bonus points if my pre-release stamp has my birthday on it for when the old the old pre-release stamp that had the dates? Yes, you get bonus points. 
Okay, because my fav- <laughs> my my faceless havens from uh, Kaldheim are pre-release stamp. So same thing with my um my uh, what's the sweeper from there that you play in like tribes? Doomstar. Creep- no, uh, no, 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 fear. no, not that one. Crippling fear. Yes, those both I have pre-release stamped, and they both say January thirtieth and January thirty-first, and thirty-first is my birthday. Yeah, that's dope. That's the whole cool. reason I got it. I'm like, that's fucking sweet. <laughs> um, and like, I was kind of looking at other things similar to. I mean, I also had Command the Dread Horde on my list for build around cards because <laughs> I remember that standard deck, and I remember it being so fucking good. Now that was when it was because um, you already had that standard that Golgari deck existed already. The Explore package. It's just when War came out and we got Command the Dread Horde. It was like, yeah, the slot's right fucking in. <laughs> then you're like, oh, great. Um, I, I also had Dance of the Mance to be basically the similar idea of like fill your yard or like, you know, reanimate things. But this, the artifact portion of that is, would you even want to like look at Dance of the Mance as an option overall? Um, or would you rather just go with Command of Dread Horde and get actual creatures instead of reanimating stuff or reanimating your uh, artifacts, I should say? I think I would rather go with Commander Dreadhold because Commander Dreadhold has a wider range of what I can grab. That's true. Yeah, it's the um, Dance of the Mance really lends itself to play like egg style cards, and we don't really yeah. have these in Pioneer. Like the, I I think overall people aren't very in favor of egg style cards, um, given how much hated the archetype is when it was still legal and modern and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So now we're looking at all like prophetic prisms. So you see, you see all these cards in new sets, right? Like spare parts, and there are all these two mana do nothing artifacts that replace themselves. And I'm a lot less comfortable building a deck around that than building a deck around, you know, like an explorer package that actually plays to the board. And actually, like Wild Growth Walker, it, it has the downside of being fatal pushed. Um, obviously, in this format, which it couldn't at the time in standard because it had just rotated out, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it had just rotated out because I remember having to swap Glimmer of Genius for Camera's Camera's no, Insight. No, not yet because um, uh, that all rotated along with one. Well, no. Yeah, because that format was Ixalan, Dominaria. Yeah, no, it, Corset, yeah, we, we lost. Guilds no, we lost guilds. We no, we lost guilds. I'm, I'm sorry. With guilds, we lost. Uh, um, what's it called? Uh, Fatal push. When guilds came out, because that's when we lost Amonkhet. I remember going to the first day of release, official release for Guilds of Ravnica, and I was trying to play an old Amonkhet deck, and like that just rotated I'm today. Pretty sure that format was Ixalan, Rivals of Ixalan, Dominaria, Corset 2019, and Guilds of Ravnica. Because I remember playing Nicobolus the Ravager in that deck, and not being allowed to play Torrential Gearhawk in that deck. Because uh, mm. I played GP Brussels, um, I believe, during guilds of ravnica standard i'm pretty sure no actually gp brussels was when we still had fatal push and stuff but that was before guilds of ravnica um anyway while brad looks that up to show that i'm right uh are there any it, it, ro- it rotated in 2018 let's fucking go well yes but that was 2017 was all the other stuff brad I believe. Yeah, I know. I'm saying, but Cal- no, Kaladesh and, and uh, yeah, Kaladesh but, and Aether Revolt rotated in 2018. Yeah, but War of the Spark was a 2019 set. I know, but before Command the Dragon came out, I'm talking about the original Explore deck. Oh, yeah, that, that like that was bad. But it, need, no, it, it needed Fatal Push itself to rotate 
for Guilds of Ravnica oh, to come out. Oh, yeah. And no, then it was right. a great deck. You're, yeah, yeah, but you're right. You're right. The evolution of that deck was very strange, because as you said, it was the best deck in Guilds of Ravnica standard, and then Ravnica Allegiance gained out, uh, came out, and very few decks gained anything except that deck. It was like, oh, I'll take Hydra Graces, I guess. And then the next set came out, War of the Sparks. I guess I'll take Commander Dreadhorde. It was fun. Well, not fun to play against. I fucking because Carnage Tyrant was the bane of my existence. Same. I, that's why Carnage Tyrant was chaos. I, yeah, I I wish it could be played now in Pioneer. I, I'll play it sometimes, like in, out of the board. Um, I played it in Delirium when I played Jun Delirium, and I, I found moderate success with the card. Hmm. But I, I cut you off, Alex. What are you saying? Uh, I lost my train of thought. So let's move on. Um... I think, you know, because we all, we all had some ideas, but I think I want to touch on, like, one other... I don't know if Jay came up with any other ideas, this theory crafting before I did. we started. I did, and I also kind of see it on the list, too. Perfect. So I see you have Paradox Engine, slash, like, like mana combo decks. Yeah. Um, yeah that's... I, I am a fan of Mox Amber. So good. Bring back Kethis, please. Um, As you know, I did break Kethis was my first article. Yep. Um, I think eventually, as, as as Pioneer Girls, that is a card. Eventually, I probably probably will find more interest in because it seems like like you know, Kinnan Paradox Engine that that type of that type of archetype grows as the card pool grows. Yeah. And we don't have as good of like two mana rocks uh, as other formats. Like we don't have Mindstone, right? Um, do we have Guardian? No, we don't have Guardian. No, the only two mana mana rock I believe that we have in this whole format that is not like super archetype specific is the legendary creature from Kaldheim. That is a two mana green mana rock that I think you can only yep. tap for creature spells. I think that is the yeah. only two mana rock we have. We don't have Mindstone. We don't have Guardian Idol. We don't have the Signet Cycle from Ravnica because that was from the first Ravnica set. Well, we might be getting two mana rocks in the near future if the artifacts that comes out. Oh yeah, like oh like uh, um, I mean, could you argue that the Brothers War and when we go back to Dominaria twice next year, um, that might be a place for those I mean, to be reprinted. That's a Good place to possibly good place to print Felwar Stone because that's quite a lore significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was hedging a bet, I'll be hedging on on uh, Mox Amber right now. I mean, I hope so because the card's also getting like, pretty hard, mad out of control with how expensive it is. Uh, Thirty five dollars. I uh, I used to own one and I no longer do, and I'm sad. I mean, I sold it for like twenty five, so it wasn't that bad of a deal. But... That's fair. I'll I do never get a Japanese one. But yeah, do you think, Jay, that, uh, and I know you also had it on, uh, Brad, this this archetype, like, because we're talking about, like, cards it can have, but do you think there's already, like, it's got more legs than people, like, claim? Because we, we don't really see it at all mm-hmm. at the moment. Not not at the moment. I mean, I I played it, remember? Uh, I have I have the deck for, like, the, the Kinnan Paradox Engine combo. Um, and where you go into like, uh, you play Karn the Great Creator, and then you go into um, Ancestral Statue or whatever, the one that like just repeatedly just bounces and goes yeah. back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Um, I did have the deck, and when it went off, like 
it goes off and it, it you you kill your opponent pretty easily with like um with the uh what's the fucking the Death Star artifact? Uh, Aetherflux uh, uh, Reservoir. Yeah, like you go off and it, it can work just fine. I think the fact that you don't have access to those two mana rocks and you're forced to go all in on your your dorks, uh, Kinnon, and then you have to play the one from Zendikar, the indestructible one that you can kick and make two copies of itself. I like that card a lot, and it's nice to have indestructible mana rocks, but you still have to play a three mana mana rock. And if you had oh, access the, to Skyclave Relic, Sorry. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you just had access to one of those two mana, like if we just had Mindstone or just had um guardian, know, what's it called guardian because we have uh the four mana one the um uh hedron Helix. archive hedron archive i am just halfway there on all the names so far today <laughs> i'm like just like i'm getting part of the vowel but yeah um and the other thing is if we got those two mana artifacts uh we would also probably see just mono black artifact control that like wants to just ramp aggressively into things like ugin ulamog things like that which depends on who you ask would be good for the format i don't think it'd be a very great deck but it's a fun deck and people like it um, there's nothing better than dying have, to a torment of hillfire for 12 it's just no better feeling in magic than just 14 mana you're dead that's because you play edh okay you're jaded <laughs> to that card no I'm, I'm selling 12 that's not professional we cast them for 40 at least like that's oh, that's fair <laughs> We just have a mana yeah, doubler I, in play, and then we play a, 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 a seasonal harvest or something, which untaps all our lands, and then we just one shot our the whole table because the game went on for three hours, and you guys should have just killed me when you had the chance. But yeah, going to your your question, I I do think this deck can have legs, but I do agree with Jay where we need more pieces, and it it's a deck that will grow as we move on. But just had this thought now, I didn't put it on the list, should have. Um, it makes me think of Karn the Great Creator because that's a card that you ran in this deck. And we have seen the mono black list show up recently with um with Karn and like Gary and stuff like that. And uh what's the two mana exile or exile card on your opponent's hand? Uh they they have to exile a card. The um double black, one one. Oh, Yarok. You can pump it. Fenlurker. Fenlurker. Yeah, that's it. Um, there's that and other cards. And it's popped up it's done some league results and like i think it's yeah. popped up a little bit in challenges towards the back end um but but, but I, th- I think karn's for, such a powerful i card. think for the sake of like you know getting the the brewer's gears go i think karn is almost like two but people know about karn right yeah like, people try to break karn all the time um so um i think on that note um then we can move on to uh, maybe talk about another card. Um, well, I th- actually, there's something I want to add when we talk about all these combo decks. So I went, you know, uh, did the grueling task of going and Brad got most of the way there, going over every single card in Pioneer. Uh, just Scryfall, Pioneer, Search, Go. Um, I got to S. And I, I stopped. <laughs> I bumped into a lot of cards that I thought were like potential combo decks. So I saw um, Flood of Tears, New Perspectives, um, cards like that. And a problem I kept keep running into when I think of combo decks, and I have the same thing with Kinnon and Paradox Engine. Like, how, how, like, I can't imagine there is a deck out there that's better than Lotus at just doing this like combo y, make 100 mana, draw my whole deck bullshit. 
because there's all yeah. these cards you can set up to do these infinite loops, but they all take so many cards. And Lotus is just like, it's just a land with hexproof, really. And then you can basically do whatever. So I feel like it's very hard for any of these decks to like compete in that space. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. Um, and even Lotus isn't doing particularly all that well lately in terms of like the pioneer meta game it, it it's won a challenge or two in the last few months um but it's it's very much like the dredge deck in modern where it's just like it shows up sometimes it's a thing that exists you have to kind of keep in the back of your mind but even now i when i go if i go to an fnm or i go to a pioneer event or i hop on uh play away and play a league or go on moto and play a league Lotus is not a deck that I'm really like thinking of that much. I'm so honed in on Winota, Phoenix, the Mirror for Vampires. Um, I'm I'm actually more anticipating Mono Black Aggro just to randomly pop up in those in those queues than I am Lotus at this point. Yeah, uh, which is weird because we used to think about like after the whole banning of all the combo decks, Lotus kind of stuck around and still existed. Um, it just became a slightly different deck as opposed to the Breach variant. And we did have those conversations where it was like, is Lotus eventually going to be too good? And now here we are, we're just kind of like, that's eh, a fucking deck. <laughs> Take it or leave it. It kind of exists. So to say like, that's where the, that's Lotus and that's where it is now in the meta. And then on mm-hmm. top of that to say, are these other combo decks better than what Lotus can do? That really shows you where these type of combos kind of, you know, have their place in Pioneer. It makes it tough. I think you have to look at these kind of decks through a different lens. I think mm-hmm. I think Command the Dreadhorde is a great place to start in that kind of idea because it that is a combo deck similar to how like Citadel, like Jun Citadel, is kind of like a combo deck. Um, same thing with uh, Jeskai Ascendancy, but they're not combo de- decks in the same way of uh, Lotus, mm-hmm. where it's just like make a bunch of mana, go through this loop, repeat, 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 and that's it. Where I mean, I guess kind of just guys. I, I think Commander Dreadhorde is more in the ballpark of that mono black zombies deck we're seeing, where some of the versions they choose to run something like Nantuko Husk, where they can make the mm-hmm. loop with uh Cryptgast. Is it Cryptgast? No, it's not Cryptgast. Uh, it's the one mana no. one one zombie and it makes you shambling gas, shambling gas. Um, that and Liliana, and with something like a um headless headless rider the new one uh that yeah, when a creature dies you make a zombie and they they don't their combo doesn't actually kill you but it presents you with like a ridiculous board states at the other side of the table um mm-hmm. and i think you'd be looking more in that direction if you want to make a dreadhorde comparison one thing that did interest me when i saw flood of tears is that flood of tears isn't actually stopped by permanent based interaction because they start with bouncing the whole board. So a Deafening Silence, a Damping Sphere, Notion Thief, like a card like that doesn't actually stop lo- uh, that combo where it would stop Lotus. So maybe like in your local meta or if the time is ripe, you would be able to sneak it in. But just like new perspectives, I would just be worried about starting my combo with a six mana blue card when Mystical Dispute is one of the most played cards in the format. That makes sense. I am constantly afraid of that card if I'm playing anything blue. 
yeah like anything blue it's always like oh but they could pay one mana and stop you unless you play a card i'll talk about later so stick around um so i think um you know we had some suggestions from uh from jay i think brad we talked a little bit about what you just mentioned you already mentioned some of your decks do you have like another archetype or a build around uh that you really think like deserves more attention or where you really think like people have tried i've seen it but i really think this should get like with more time we can make something out of this given what we have now not as much trying to think of well, what it could get um i think this one on my list is actually like one of the first ones where it's a singular card and it's dream devourer um, the one that the two mana O three from uh, Kaldheim, where all of your cards get foretell, and then every time you cast a foretell card, or is it, it do you foretell or cast a foretell card? Uh, whenever you foretell um, a card, okay, then he gets what plus one, uh, plus two, plus, plus something. Even better. Look at that. So it creates a, a has an aggressive stat line on it um, for like late game pushes because that's when you're going to be foretelling multiple cards at once. But the fact that it allows you to dodge any type of hand hate. Like, what's a card that we see in Pioneer right now in every black deck? Thoughtseize, obviously. And go blank. True. So these these are all main decked right now. Unless you're playing Demir, for some reason you don't main deck Thoughtseize. Sometimes not even in the 75, but I still think it's so weird. Um, but hey, that's fine. So that allows you to dodge all this hate. And you could also go in the this kind of avenue where Dream Devourer can kind of make a deck that is an anti-meta deck, similarly to the thick Rakdos with um, Graveyard Trespasser, Kalidus, um, the Vampire from Midnight Hunt. Um, I'm not saying it goes in that deck. I'm saying in the same vein of being an anti-meta deck that also dodges the other anti-meta decks that are sniping your graveyard and sniping your hand a lot, if that makes sense. It just seems like such a powerful effect um, to just be able to exist in Pioneer, um, in any format it's in for that matter, where it's weird that I haven't seen anyone even remotely attempt to try out this card at all. Like I've seen jack shit like on Twitter. I've seen no leagues with it. I've seen nothing on Reddit talking about like the pioneer subreddit or anything. I, I've and even, even standard. I haven't, I haven't really seen it. <laughs> well, I have an idea. Well, a deck idea that it showed up, with, but I want to ask you first, Jay, like when you think dream devourer, where, where, where does your mind go? Trying to think like where this could fill a hole. Um, foretelling. So, Dream Devourer lets you foretell cards, right? Yeah, so it's the one where every yeah. card in your hand gets foretells. So you could basically bank a card for later. So, like, so like you can basically almost like picture full hand, picture full hand to like foretell. Um, it raises like a very interesting like like narrow situ narrow situation because um thought distortion is real especially um like in black decks and uh lotus field mm -hmm. so like and uh foretell foretelling cards basically makes thought distortion um not as bad so i can definitely see that happening if something like that were to were to come about no. and also like you 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 curb you uh you curb um you curb hand hate such as like go blank thought seize duress 
and Gold Blank is also seeing heavy play right now because of all the Phoenix decks out there. Mm-hmm. So I can definitely see something like that happening. Not happening, but like I can see it as like an option. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I like I like that idea of I um I had this attraction what you said with Thought Distortion when um Behold the Multiverse was a draw spell that was played in the mirror shells. And I was thinking when I played against well, I, I remember playing against uh um Sean, who was a NIV player on our Discord server, and he had th- mm-hmm. uh, Thought Distortion in his sideboard. And I would like early game, I would actually put away um that um behold the multiverse and even if i was able to cast it if my hand was pretty decent i wouldn't because it was like my way to recover from a thought distortion so mm-hmm. i think if you look at that and maybe like shove away some some hate pieces which i think is actually a pretty like interesting way to take it uh mm-hmm. i had I, I basically looked at it the other way and i was really sort of treating it as like a battery for uh, like a mana battery. So you could take cards mm-hmm. that you would think are a little bit too expensive and um, you're able to curve into these earlier. Um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people did this with Seasons Past. Uh, that's the only place where I really saw Dream Devourer being played when Call Diamond just released because seven mana sorcery is a little too much. Being able to get that down to that five mana point meant you could cast it earlier or you had more turns where you could cast it and then immediately do something so you wouldn't lose as much tempo. And one of the first cards I went to is a card that I haven't seen, which I thought was a really awesome standard deck at the time. And it's Ever After. Um, For the people who don't know, Ever After is four black black for a sorcery. Return up to two target creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. Each of those creatures is a black zombie in addition to its other colors and types. And then put Ever After on the bottom of its owner's library. So I like this spell. Because we we don't get cheap reanimation in Pioneer. So for animation reanimation spell, we're actually often looking at like four or five mana spells. And then I'm thinking, I would rather just pay one or two extra and you get two, right? It's basically like you get the four key reanimation spell. And hey Sean, I actually came up with this this afternoon because I was watching a video on uh, Modern Living End where they have cards like Stripe Riverwinder. Um, that you could cycle, and then they get reanimated with Living End. And I, I thought this was an interesting idea to take Ever After, because a problem we have with reanimation too is that it's also harder to get cards in our graveyard, right? We end up having to, like, mill ourselves or use inefficient discard spells, because, you know, there's no end tomb for good reason. Um, but you don't want to bog your deck down with 15 good reanimation targets, because mm-hmm. you're going to draw them and you're never going to draw your reanimation spell. So I was thinking of a reanimate, uh, reanimation deck built around Ever After, which has a couple of very strong reanimation targets. Um, and then the rest can be filled up with, you know, some interaction, etc. And then some Stripe Riverwinders, maybe like Titanoth Rex from um, Ikoria, which is just straight up an 11-11 with Trample. And you could have these cards have some consistency, they're a bit easier to put in the graveyard. And you know, paying six mana, or if you Dream Devour it earlier, four mana, for your reanimation spell that gets you a 5-5 Hexproof and an 11-11 Trample is probably a good baseline 
And then sometimes when you do get to either have that discard spell, maybe there's some mill effect in your deck, and you do hit like the Razakaths or other like crazy good reanimation targets, then that's like your your ceiling. So using the cycling creatures to make the floor of your reanimation spell better, rather than having to completely devote your deck to it, that would lead to like a pretty interesting archetype. And I just also think Ever After is just a really cool card. Because it is such a large swing to get two big creatures back. I remember, and uh, Ishkana made me think of that when you said it, where people would bring back like Ishkana and Razaketh in standard. And that just allowed them to reanimate, like, well, they did that, and then they demonic tutored five times because they could sack all the spiders. And games would basically end immediately. And one thing that's cool about um, Dream, Dev Dream Devour is that the ruling is that, like, once you foretell whatever, you don't need to keep Dream Devour on the field. Yeah. So it gets its use out of it when you foretell. So even if you're running it and it's immediately fatal pushed, um, well, you get priority first when you play it. Right, so then yeah. you could still foretell one uh, of your you can foretell in more response. expensive cards. That's right, it's instant speed. Yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting foretell is instant speed, at least on your turn. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, you still get the one use out of it. And if you're just, you know, this could actually be a glue for a janky idea of decks if you think about it, because how many times do you see players? new players especially have like a janky idea when they're building a deck and it's all centered around this one card kind of like how we're doing today but it's in a much less cohesive manner it's like if you lose that one card you lose the game basically and if they get thought seized they want to cry and they get mad and they don't want to <laughs> play the game anymore because they lost their best card well this is yep. a way to help be the glue that like hey here's the expensive card that you're building around your deck with then let's go ahead and foretell that card keep it safe from things like thought seized and the hand hate we were talking about earlier and now you can move forward. I don't know if that's necessarily a, the best way of attacking this from what we're talking about with like cards that Pioneer should see play um, or should see play in Pioneer and ha have a chance to be, you know, broken out and that kind of thing. But it's another thing worth noting that it can be a nice piece of glue for, you know, jank decks, like how Treasure it, Map was. It, I, I don't even think it has to be jank. And I think this Dream Devour and I, I, I you know, we haven't had the time to brew up with all these cards, but especially because... Uh, it's uh, Dream of Hour opens up a, uh, an interesting avenue for um, combo potential or even just like strong synergy potential that just isn't possible otherwise. Like in Pi, you can't build a deck that relies on, well, in one turn, I have to cast a three mana card, a four mana card, and a five mana card. Because you, you can't have nine, you can't say like, oh, just wait till I get to nine mana, right? But if you manage mm -hmm. to foretell a couple of these cards on the way, like, imagine you're able to foretell all of these cards. Then that is a one mana, a two mana, and a three mana card. That's six mana. You can reasonably get to six mana um, mm -hmm. in a given game if you're not, like, completely forgetting to interact with your opponent. But this card is black, so this easily goes in a deck that has thought seizes and fatal pushes and stuff to buy itself that time. But... You know, I haven't considered any pioneer combos that consist of a three mana, a four mana, and a five mana card, because it's not reasonable to expect you to do that in a deck. But Dream Devourer mm -hmm. can make these decks reasonable. So I think this can actually open us up to brew a whole bunch of decks that we never thought were even possible, because it's like, ah, it's too much mana for one turn, right? If something gives like a till end of turn effect, 
where you can't play that card and then play the next one next turn because the event only lasts until the end of your turn. So in that way, Dream Devourer allows us to build really super crazy, weird decks. And I think that's why Dream Devourer is such a cool card because it just makes you able to play a deck that no other card in Magic allows you to play other than like Omniscience. It's also probably why it's such a hard card to, uh, it's to build around. extremely hard to build around because of that. You'll think of combos. No one's ever thought of putting in a deck that isn't EDH. Mm. You can you could genuinely look at EDH decks and sort of be like, hey, th- those cards are actually all Pioneer Legal. And then, so maybe pay attention at your EDH tables and see what stupid shit people pull off. And, yeah, you know. This card should probably be showing up in EDH too. <laughs> Maybe Dream Devourer is not the card. He's not going to devour your dreams. He's going to make them come true. Oh, thank you. I had a good pick. I got one more group of build-arounds, but they all do the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's Neoform, Evolutionary Leap, and Eldric Evolution. So, um, one of them is kind of already seeing play. Yeah. Winota, yeah, yeah, but because they talk because they talked about it. Um, when the guy came up with Winota, the current the way Winota's built, he talked about like the uh, different forms it took on before he reached the final version he came to today, and he yeah. talked about Elder how he stuck in Eldritch, Eldritch Evolution and tried it out. Yeah, um, and the only thing with that is like. I know that these cards with these type of effects had a home, mm-hmm. um, but now we've you we might see Eldritch Evolution as like a one or two of now Winota sometimes, but a lot of times it's not even in the deck anymore. Now that it has a wolf package, um, but these types of cards and these effects are still very powerful, and we haven't seen anyone try them anywhere mm. else. I I think if I'm looking at this these three cards. I think one actually stands out as a deck, a card I would build an entirely different deck around. That's Evolutionary Leap. Um, mm-hmm. Now we've seen this as sideboard text because the effect is actually instant speed. Um, and that means we've seen this in similar situations as Shaper Sanctuary, uh, which says one of the green. Mm-hmm. If your opponent targets your creatures with one of their spells or abilities, you draw a card. I think it's just spells. But the downside that cards have is like, yeah, and then your opponent plays board wipe and then what? And that makes this interesting tech, but I think a very cool way to build Evolutionary Leap is to actually have a deck. Now, this is very similar to Transmogrify, which just straight up puts it on the battlefield, so this might not work in that way. But I would be interested in booting a deck with Evolutionary Leap and only, like, one creature. And then I animate my Mutavolt, and I sack that. And then I am guaranteed to find a specific card. Again, there are other ways to do that, maybe less convoluted, right? At that point, you might be playing a Diabolic Tutor. But I could just imagine a deck that runs a very, either a low count of super key creatures, or even just, again, just one creature. That it just mm. has to find this way through, like, sacking a land. Because these lands that may, that turn themselves into creatures like Mutavolt. I think that's a cool way to try and find something unique to do with this card. 
my biggest problem with that this car specifically, which I, I almost left it out, I almost just focused on Neoform Electric Evolution, is because it goes to hand and not on Battlefield. Um, which that'd be unbelievably abusable if <laughs> if this just went straight to the battlefield and just <clears throat> say goodbye to survival of the fittest. Just <laughs> yeah, that's true. But it'd be fun. Survival of the fittest and Oath of Druids. If two legacy babies had a, uh, legacy staples had a baby, <laughs> it would be that cart. All right, and then those are pretty much all the ones I had for the most part. We I had one honorable mention, and that was the Omniscience Flood of Tears thing. We already talked about that. We did not talk about the Omen deck, though. Do you remember that one, Alex? Omen deck? Yeah, there was an Omen combo deck with all of the Omens, those, those enchantments with Flash from Theros Beyond Death. Mm -hmm. It ran all of them, and then it ran Flood, uh, Flood of... Uh, Flood of Tears and Omniscience, and the combo is you basically get all your omens out, and then you get Omniscience down, Flood the Tears or whatever, and then you basically just like burn your opponent out with like all of like the the oh with the uh, with the th you with the fire one you can burn them out yeah exactly <laughs> it was really funny try that one again but Alex you had not as many build arounds I know you had a couple um but your ideal or your idea of looking at all these cards of pioneer you were thinking of like tech somewhere you're looking at like uh the moonlight one yeah things like that so what did you come up with yeah so again i'll, I'll skip over hallowed moonlight because i talked about it last week just quickly for people hallowed moonlight is one on a white and it says uh until end of turn if a creature entered the battlefield if it wasn't cast exile it instead and then you draw a card so basically puts a containment priest on the battlefield for one turn which is really sweet if we're thinking like um, Nif-Mizzet. That could be tutoring up their Nif-Mizzet, but mostly Arclight Phoenix is entering the battlefield. Uh, Winoda Trigger is entering the battlefield. Um, but I want to talk about a couple of different cards. And I'm going to start off with two that I've also talked about a lot, but I still haven't seen anyone play them, so I guess I have to talk about them more. And uh, they go in a similar category. And it's Silence and Savage Summonings. Now, I'll go over Savage Summonings first because it's a lot more narrow and I can think of one deck that wants this right now, but I can see other decks that want it in the future. Um, Savage Summoning is um, one on the green. By the way, Jay, at any point, feel free to interrupt me if you have any thoughts on any of these cards. Um, sure. Savage Summonings is one on the green for an instant. Uh, sorry, just, just a green for an instant. And it says Savage Summonings can't be countered. The next creature card you cast this turn can be cast as though it had flash. That spell can't be countered, and the creature enters a uh, the battlefield with an additional 1-1 counter on it. And I still don't understand why I haven't seen it in these decks, because it was played in Oops, uh, which is, and I haven't seen it since. This card screams Soul Flayer to me. And mm. I, I don't get why it's not played in that deck, because when I play against Soul Flayer, my experience is... Aside from the edict effects that you have, if they resolve a soul thrayer through a counter spell, you basically died. Because it'll have indestructible, hexproof, double strike, haste, the lot. And mm -hmm. this makes it so easy to force it through counter magic. It, it's basically these savage summonings can't be countered, the creature can't mm -hmm. be countered. And we play very few counter spells that say things like, exile the spell right nobody plays summary dismissal anymore 
So, mm-hmm. and what I find interesting about this deck, uh, this card, because we've had Esper Soul Flare for a while, so that doesn't have this problem. But for example, I've seen people turn their Junt Soul Flare deck into four color Soul Flare because they want to play Mystical Dispute in their sideboard. Mm-hmm. Now, like, what doesn't this card do that Mystical Dispute does too? Like, why splash the color? Why make your mana worse when you could just be playing this? And even the other way around, why can't your Sultai Soul Flare, can't you gain things from shaving the blue, adding this card, which does 99% of what blue would do anyway, and then add red, add white, or add Manlands as a backup plan so you're not stuck in playing so many colors in your deck. And I think that is a really cool place to put this card um yeah i just think it's awesome every time i play against a soul flayer player and they struggle against control i tell them to play this card and no one's come back to me and said it was shit so they either didn't try it or it was actually good yeah hmm. interesting I, I also think this goes for basically any other creature combo deck that you can think of uh i talked yeah when we did our top eight for Grims of Vow, I talked about Cultivator mm-hmm. Colossus. This card was a slam dunk to put in that deck in order to force it through counter magic because creature-based combo decks can very much struggle against control. If they need to slam mm-hmm. some sort of four or five drop and you're staring at like three mana counter magic, that is literally what control is built to beat. That's what Niv Delight did when it uh, plays the Rod Dragon Claw to Cyborg. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Just a bit of a clunky card. You can't even tutor it out with Bring to Light because it's six mana, but it's just that good at what it does. And I think this card is... You just slam it. Yeah, just slam it. So the other card I want to talk, uh, what I already mentioned, which I think is similar, but it's a bit more widely applicable, is Silence. And this card just always got on my radar because it's a CDH staple. Um, Mm -hmm. Silence is one and a white for an instant. And it just says... Your opponent can't cast spells this turn. Um, it will add that if they have already put a spell on the stack and you then cast Silence, the original spell will still resolve because they have already cast it. It just hasn't resolved yet. But Silence, in a very similar way to Savage Summonings, is something that you can put in a non-blue combo deck to go up against blue decks. Again, you don't need that white splash. Uh, that blue splash. The first time I played against this is when I played against Boros Indomitable Creativity that run Terror of the Peaks. And it went post with a post-work match and they put silence on the stack. And I was like, wait, what? Didn't know the card was legal. And I just got destroyed because they put this one mana spell on the stack that I have to interact with through either Negate, which is two mana, three mana from Mystical Dispute because it's a white card, not a blue card. But if I don't interact with this, they have a carte blanche, they can tap out, do whatever they want, and probably kill you immediately. Also means this is excellent bait. Because you're in your turn, Oh yeah. don't really know what to do, cast silence, and your opponent will freak out. Because they're like, oh god, what is going to happen if this silence resolves? They're going to cast their draw spells, they're going to bottom all these good cards they need, because they're like, I have to find two counter spells or I'm dead. Um, mm-hmm. and 
in, in that way, I, I just think this card is very good at protecting your combo. And what I also really like about this, which is a little more niche, is that it is also really good against combo if you're playing a combo deck. Because a lot of mm -hmm. combo decks that we see, they rely on like casting like a sort of very, uh, very telling spell where you think um, Jeskai Ascendancy, they start off with Sylvan Awakening. And you know, with Lotus, shit's about to hit the fan when they cast one of their wish spells. And mm -hmm. then you can cast Silence. That can buy you your turn. And now you get to combo off before they do. Mm -hmm. So I think it's also very great there. Um, and it just similar to Savage Summonings, stop putting blue in your deck when you don't have to. Silence is an option. Silence is an exceptionally good card. Opponent is about to board wipe you, silence them in their upkeep. Now, you know. it is a combo card. This is what you do to protect a combo. There are cool things like silencing a combo player when they're about to go off, silencing a control player in their upkeep. That's not what silence is for. Those are just niche extra situations that you have. Like when your combo plan is being stopped by a damping sphere, you've resorted to beat down. That's where, like, silencing and upkeep to stop board wipes is good. But if you play black-white humans, don't put silence in your sideboard in order to protect yourself from board wipes. It's pretty shitty. But if you're a combo deck, you don't want to put blue in your deck, or, you know, you don't want to, it's not fitting, you're already three-color, whatever, consider these two cards, you probably end up not needing blue. I was thinking, if this gets unbanned, I would maybe even consider main decking silence. Because, <clears throat> like, the whole reason I think Kethis would be bad now, if we're, if we're to come back, is because there's no three fairy to protect the combo. Because it's a fucking fragile combo without three fairy out. Pretty easy to interact with. Yeah. Um, so silence would be pretty cool in that. Goes kind and of I, with your hope of Gearper to just have, yeah. you know, f four hope or whatever is in, and then you add, like, one or two silence to just have a bit more of that oomph. Yeah, two more on the board if you really need it, kind of thing. Um, and you're saying not to try it in like decks where like if you're like mono like mono white humans or you know black white humans. There's no, it's not good even if you cast it on your opponent's like upkeep. I and like you force them to like go that way. You you can. The problem is is that I don't think in those decks it's often enough to buy you a turn. Because then they'll just like, all right, I'll 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 cast a removal spell on one of your creatures instead. I'll go down to four and now I board wipe you or something, right? Yeah. Where it's it the, it's not impactful enough to stop your opponent from casting a spell on turn because it is obviously card disadvantage. Because just mm -hmm. spending a mana and then your opponent's like, all right, guess I won't board wipe. I'll just cast a draw spell. On. Maybe they don't even have the board wipe. And it didn't really do anything. They were about to go land pass anyway. But if you're playing a combo deck, card advantage doesn't matter. Because you're probably just going to spill out your whole hand with all your other cards. and just I mean, card advantage matters because you need your combo pieces. But seeing like the spot of like Mystical Dispute versus Silence, the fact that Mystical Dispute counters a spell and does it like one for one thing, that doesn't matter. I'll play Silence, do that like one for zero. But now I get to combo off and you're dead. Look, it didn't matter. And that's where I think it's better. 
If I'm playing black, white humans, <clears throat> go Thoughtseize. If I want to have some board white protection in white, selfless spirit, right? That's something I would be looking to first before I look to silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do like it a lot. And you have talked about this card a lot, but I, I get it. It's a... Uh... It's a fun one. Until someone proves to me that it's bad, <laughs> I'm going to keep telling people it's good. Um, now, moving on from a CDH table staple to a pauper staple. Um, this, this is, by the way, a thing that I did quite a bit when I um, went over this list. I was looking for cards that see play in other formats and are Pioneer legal. And then trying to figure out, like, why aren't people playing these cards? Um, yeah. And for pauper, at least... I played Popper like three years ago, and at that point, this card was being played. Um, and it's Electricery. Don't know if any of you two know what that card does. Mm-hmm. No, I would have to look it up. Do you know, Jay? Mm-hmm. It is- you talking about it deals one, yeah. and then you overload it? Exactly. Um, electricery is a single red for an instant, and it says Electricery deals one damage to target creature you don't control. And it is overload for one and a red. So it'll deal one damage to each creature you don't control. Mm-hmm. One damage is enough to kill a mana dork, except for Gilded Goose. So it does that tempo thing that you can find important. Um, we're seeing, if I look at Goldfish now, there's two human decks that are popping up, which run a large amount of X1s. Um, this is an instant speed card. Your opponent could put a Thalia's Lieutenant on the stack and you just completely blow them up. Um, I see that Winoda decks, a very classic Winoda start is Dork, Innkeeper Dork. Next turn, sack the treasure, play Winoda, swing with the Dorks. Most of these Dorks have one toughness. So it can buy you a lot of time. And in that way, I think it's a pretty flexible card when the meta gets like lower... Um, lower on the curve. I also think because it's uh, a cheap card, it's easy to pile on top of other cards. So it's very... You don't need a lot of mana to cast this together with a Flame Blast Bolt or uh, a Magma Spray if you forgot what the new card is called. Um, or a K Command or a Moment of Craving when you're playing a Rakdos-style deck. Um, and I think that makes the card super flexible. And as... And I already think there's merit for it now. Um, but it isn't very useful against Phoenix, which obviously docks some points. There's quite a couple of creatures in burn that are too toughness. Though we're seeing more like Cemetery Gatekeeper via Shio Pyromancer staying around. Those are all one toughness creatures too. Um, and, you know, you only need four mana to cast two of these. And then suddenly a whole lot dies if you get to deal two damage. And to pile on a little bit with a similar card, but it doesn't have that like early game oomph, but it's way better later on. And that's Is It Static Caster. Now that's an old one from Modern. Don't know, I... You'll probably know the card, Jay. You've been, you've been playing Magic for a while. What do you know, Brad? Is it static? I'm reading for the first time. Look at that. I'm looking at, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I am a big fan of this card. It is one, a blue and a red for an O3 human wizard with flash and haste. 
you know, because why wouldn't we need flash and haste is already a weird combination and it has zero mm -hmm. toughness. So that's what I already love, uh, power, which is what I already like about the card. It has an activated ability. Tap, is it static to deals one damage to target creature and each creature with the same name as that creature. Obviously, fantastic against tokens. Um, and in multiples, this thing destroys creature decks. Like, I remember this from Modern, which is why I still had my playset. Um, your average creature deck, again, think Celestia Humans, that sort of thing. You have two of these in play. They can just never cast a creature again. And, and if they're attacking with multiple Mutavolts, in Modern, this was very good with things like Blink Moth Nexus. I think there's a very famous clip where someone tries to attack with... Uh, a couple of Ink Moth Nexuses in uh, Infect, and they're constantly sort of like tanking. Like, do I make one larger, or do I attack with multiple and then try and pump them after blockers or something? And they're tanking for like five minutes, and then they get completely blown up by an Is It Static Caster, and they basically lose all their lands. Um, and yeah, I just think that is a really sweet card, and I lopped it in with Electricery to sort of shorten the time I'd be talking about them. Uh, Electricery, I see more potential for. Is it Static Caster? Is much more of a lights out card if that sticks around, but Electricery can buy you that time. And the older the format gets, the more relevant one damage is. Yeah, there's been a lot of X ones lately, but like powerful X ones. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful X ones that protect Thalia. Yeah, exactly. Like and hitting Thalia herself is important too. And is it Static Caster yeah. doesn't get more expensive on Thalia because it is a creature. So That's true. No, it does not. That also gives you... I mean, it's blue, so hey, mystical dispute. But, you know, is it Static Caster being a creature does actually open you up with some interesting angles. Um, the fact that it also just gets to block, so it's more than just a weird removal mm -hmm. spell. And the fact that you could maybe like buy it back with a Coligan's Command or similar can add some cool angles of play to discard that you don't get with your average removal spell. Mm. And I do like these. The last tech card I want to talk about that is also a card that a lot of people who play Modern will know, and I didn't actually know this was Pioneer Legal, it is Crypt Incursion. Now, Crypt Incursion, two and a black for an instant, exile all creature cards from target player's graveyard. You gain three life for each card exiled this way. Very like cool tech in the current meta. Now, it does, it does fuck all against Winoda, right? One of the meta decks. It, it does actual nothing against Winoda, because by the time you'll die, they have like two creatures in their graveyard. Um, a couple cool things to note about this. First of all, it is instant speed interaction that isn't blue. Already a big upside. Um because that means it's a little harder to interact with from your opponent. It exiles all creatures, which is basically all you need against Phoenix. You like to keep their graveyard small to stop the delve spells, but that is quite hard to do if we're not, look not looking at a card like Rest in Peace or Leyline of the Void. So sometimes the one-shots on the important cards can get the trick done. If you're playing against Burn, once you're gaining 9, but especially 12, 15 life, it becomes very hard for Burn to win. Once you've survived that initial onslaught, and you just, like, push the creature, Blood Chief stirs the creature, shock the creature, push the creature, Crypt Incursion gain 12. 
that it's very hard to lose the game at that point. And what I think is also interesting to look at is that you can also target yourself. So if you're playing a creature-heavy deck, you know, you're playing like the mono-black zombies or something, like, yeah, you can target them and gain some life. You'd rather not touch your own graveyard. But hey, if you get to, if you have to, I'll gain 30 mm-hmm. against a burn deck or against any deck. Once you gain 30 life, there's a lot of matchups where that just buys you so much time that you it gives you so much freedom. Blocks you don't have to make, burn spells you can just eat. Um, that this can buy you, it can buy you a lot of time. And then I'm thinking, mainly burn for the life game part, Phoenix for the creature hate part. Though, in Phoenix, sometimes you take a beating from the first Phoenix as you're forced to actually kill with removal spells. It's like, I know they'll come back, but I have to stop this beating now, and you're at 12 or something. And then XL3 Phoenixes go up to 21. Smooth sailing from there. Yeah, that would feel amazing. I, I, I saw this card as I was going through my list. And I did make note of it. I forgot to like add it to this. But yeah, I'm glad you included this one. This one's really cool. I'm a fan of that. It is a little specific. Because yeah. for every meta deck and Phoenix and Burn and to an extent Rakdos, where this can be good against, there's like two decks that this is bad against. It's pretty good against Mono Black Aggro, but it's really not very valuable against Vampires. Um, again, Winoda doesn't give a shit. Um, thick rectals, not a big deal. Humans, crackling it, Drake doesn't care. Yeah, crackling Drake doesn't care. So, you know, it's not this like one-stop shop card that can solve all your problems. But I was just especially crackling Drake doesn't care if you exile either. No, true. Yeah. Um, but I especially like this for burn. And then I saw the Phoenix upside, and I was like, that can net it a sideboard slot in my book. Yeah, it's two decks. Yeah, right. two popular and decks. It can be a complete blowout, so run one, maybe a second, leave it at that. And if you're playing a deck that just doesn't care, and like you, like if your creatures die, like you're saying the zombie deck, well, that zombie deck might care about reanimating its own shit, like with uh, Liliana. But if you're playing a creature-heavy deck that just doesn't really have much of a reanimation plan or like ways to get things back out of your own yard, um, you're perfectly content with hitting yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, even if you're playing a deck like Zombies, you know, some t- that the graveyard is a sub-theme. You don't need the graveyard, right? You, your creatures still die, and then you get to exile them, so you still get all your triggers of your headless horseman, that sort of thing, and then you could just gain that bunch of life. I, I just thought it was a really cool card, and it was especially cool to see this card that I was like, hey, this I've seen this being cast elsewhere, so why aren't we casting it here? Now, that's a modern in part because it pairs with Mill, and that forces a ton of creatures to be in your opponent's graveyard if they play them. So mm. you will regularly see people gain 30, 45 life. That's not going to happen Ooh. here. But you don't need 45 life to win a burn matchup. You need 15. Alex, you know what? What deck do I like to play that can make use of this? Vampires? No, rogues. Oh, that that's a cool type. That's a cool deck to put this in. That does That'd be actually, awesome. That does actually mill. Now, uh, and it's only hitting the creature cards. 
So it doesn't just exile their yard because that's the one thing about rogues that feels really bad because you're like, I want ways to hit their graveyard, but if I hit all their yard, I'm sad because all of my pumps and extra things for my rogues that get benefit of having seven more, eight or more cards in their graveyard go away. But because this only hits creatures, they'll still have their instant sorceries and other types of permanents stuck in the yard. So I can still have enough cards to trigger my lords or uh, pump my one drop or allow me to have, you know, a four mana draw four instead of a fucking eight mana draw four or seven mana draw four. I like this a lot. Thank you for this. <laughs> I've, I've I'm going to try it. I have ordered mine already. <laughs> <laughs> it's a common. It's like 20 cents. I was like, oh, well. But the foils are three dollars. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, because they're played in mill, right? I want foils. Like we we have the expert here on like if you play a deck, might as well blink it out. Might as well get everything in foil. That's what I try to. I got um, what's the one? The Vampire Land. I got the full art foils for that, and they're they're pretty. They look real nice. But I was kind of confused as like what I take out because my mana base is a little. Not wonky, but like I run two Agnes Awakening because I think the cards are fucking amazing and it's really great in vampires. Don't know why people don't play it. Um, so you want your mana base to be clean and not painful. Yeah. You gain so much life though with Soren and, and your uh, Kalidus, your, um, your gifted Aetherborns that I've ne- I rarely have problems with that. That's why I'm running um, Infernal Grasp as my main source of removal spell instead of uh, Murder's Rider. But then you also see Murder's Rider run, and it's the same thing. You're used to life. So, like, you gain life so easily in that deck. I don't care about that. And, like, uh, I'm not... I'm fine with playing that card tapped if I need to. And even the, the, the times I bolt myself, there are far less instances of bolting myself for that land that causes me to lose the game mm-hmm. than the upside of how many games I've won like casting and just getting back the creatures and be like, what are you going to fucking do? Like the, 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 the fucking, the juice is far more worth the squeeze than, than it seems. It's been really fucking good in the deck, but I didn't okay. know. The only thing is like, I had three locked lanes and four mm-hmm. swamps, uh, four goblet shrines, four of the pathways, and then an Urborg. And I was like, well, what do I cut to fit this in? And my, my ending the decision was I cut two locked lanes because I felt it fit that role anyway. But then maybe I was thinking, should I cut a locked lane in a swamp? Because I don't want to go down to two swamps. Because locked lane needs a swamp to hit anyway. And then you have Gala uh, Shrine and then the swamps um, for locked lane to come in untapped. So I figured, I, and then I'm running the two Hive Tyrant. The, cave, the Hive Tyrant? I Tyrant? Hive of the I Tyrant. The, yeah. These names are fucking hard to remember, dude. I only remember Den of the Bugbear. <laughs> My main grievance with that is, is that they all have the in them, I think. Except Hall of Storm Giants. Yeah. I always type in Hall of the Storm Giants. Uh, Same, Giants. and it's like, why doesn't it pop up? Oh! <laughs> yeah, it just sounds wrong. Yeah. But yeah, I, I felt, like, as weird as it sounds, I end up, but maybe I'll try three Swamp two locked lane two of those but i feel i'm more concerned about the locked lanes coming in tap now than i am about the agony awakening thing but i think to stick to the topic a little bit uh i have a couple of cards that i haven't mentioned that i could like quick fire a little bit but i i've been talking a lot with the deck cards in mind so i don't know 
Jay or Brad, if you have any like cards that now came to mind or that you still had noted or archetypes that you want to talk about a little bit before we uh, head slowly towards the end of the episode. Jay, do you have any? I'm all set. All right. Um, I had... Now, these are a little bit less of like um, ones that I say need to be tried. More so, I think they need to be tried again. Uh, Hardened Scales is one where ever since Walking Busta was banned, everyone's just like, well, fuck that deck, it's gone. But we have, what, 12 possible Hardened Scale effects in the deck? Um, and Winding Constrictor, uh, if you go if you go Abzan. If you play Abzan, you can also play the um, Nehithri... Nethroi? What's the, the one, the semi-kinnon art of that cycle, where it's if you pay Abzan, it's any permanent for three mana. If you pay, don't play Abzan, it's kill a creature. Oh, the Mythos. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So like you can you have access to that. Um you can kind of go into a human sub theme and you can play dire tactics, things like that. Or the Hydra uh, from Zendikar. Exactly. And and Zendikar has a bunch of plus one plus one stuff. You have the ooze one, like the the three mana ooze where uh anytime uh you put a counter on and shit, like yeah. you, you also have the one mana one. Like you have and you have the Ozolith or like back I have they the, the thing. Uh, I played against Arden Skills and it had the Ozolith. The ooze from AFR, where they have that like gimmick where if you have more than four counters on it, when it dies, it comes back with two counters, but then the Ocelith gives it its two counters back and it basically never yeah. dies. And they also had multiple hearted skills effect in play. So it was like a 4 4 and then a 7 7 and then a 12 12 and then an 18 18. And I was like, <laughs> so there's a point it, where I. Basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't. But I think I eventually like killed it with flyers or something stupid. Like. You should play Vrasis Contempt again. <laughs> Bring it back. Uh, the other one, though, was Hollow One with uh, the one drop from Amonkhet, uh, the Flame Jackal, that every time you cycle or discard, it gets plus one. As Menace, too. Um, that one, I feel like you, you can get there eventually. Uh, we have so many ways to discard, so many ways to kind of like cycle through the deck that maybe it's worth looking at again um just in the last year we've gotten a bunch so it could be worthwhile but then again a zero mana four four is that good enough anymore as oddly as that sound like to say yeah like that's sort of like juice not worth the squeeze right we free discard is something we don't get a lot in pioneer um i think burning inquiry is that legal i don't think it is I think I it's like think so. M- M10 or something. Uh, no Goblin lore, no. Now that did, Hollow One did make me think of another card that I was gonna... I didn't know where to put on my list, but I wanted to touch on it real quick because I think the card's very interesting. Um, also goes well in a Reanimator-style deck. And it would, I guess, go well with Hollow One, and it's Nahiri's Wrath. Um, this card was new, like, I... I found out this card when I was just about getting into magic, and I thought this card sounded absolutely insane. Uh, it's two and a red for sorcery. As an additional cost to Nahiri's Wrath, discard X cards. It's managed one. You can discard your whole hand if you want. Nahiri's Wrath deals damage equal to the total converted mana cost of the discarded cards to each of up to X target creatures and or planeswalkers. So let's say you discard five five mana cards you get to deal 25 damage to five targets that aren't face obviously um i thought it was a really cool idea to like really quickly empty your hand 
while not having to do like a one with nothing style effect where they, where you gain nothing. Again, I'm thinking of like a reanimator car, a reanimator deck, maybe in you know ever after deck where I've like foretold my ever after, and I just go all right, mm-hmm. you know three mana, discard my whole hand, um from the foretell, bring two of my creatures back. You have no board, basically didn't matter how large it was, uh, because I dealt a ridiculous amount of damage to all of it. Uh, I thought it was a cool one. Um, think another quick one that I just wanted to point out is Karn, Scion of Urza. I think it slots in well with what we talked about last week, where we mentioned that treasures were becoming more and more common. Uh, obviously, the constructs grow for each uh, artifact you have, so I think that can turn Karn, Scion of Urza into a very interesting like alternative win condition in decks like that. Then I think Brad I and like I both card. had Gates as a quick mention. Yep. Uh, very parasitic deck. That's kind of the main problem with it, especially because the Return to Ravnica Gates cards all suck. So you're basically stuck with War of the Spark block. But yeah. some obnoxiously powerful cards in there, like uh, Guild Summit, that if your opponent can't deal with, intera- with enchantments, you just how do you ever beat this value? Um, but I think the interesting... And Gates of Blazes is an amazing sweeper. Yeah. I'd say the interesting deck-building challenge in Guild Summit is that the deck really easily builds itself till like, 56 cards. And figuring out what these four non-obvious cards should be, which in standard often was Hydroid Crosses, uh, but there's definitely other uh, cards you could be thinking about in this slot. Uh, and I think that's going to prove like the interesting deck-building challenge, but I have heard positive things from people who play this as almost like a budget Nifmizzet. Five-color value pile, lots of draw, lots of removal, and you'll figure out a way to win the game. Sometimes mazes end if you really want to meme it up. Yeah. Though I do think if you want to play this five-color value pile, you should probably be playing Niv. Um, but if your wallet can't handle Niv, I think Gates is a cool alternative. Because the deck is... Or you can play Shrines. Because the deck is giga cheap. Yeah, but Shrines is actually a meme. And Gates is actually yeah. pretty decent. No, I agree. Um, and then... Skip that one. One quick card I want to mention, and it's because I saw, I think it's currently still being played in Standard as a sweeper, is Battle of Frost and Fire, which actually has a ton of value attached to a sweeper. Uh, it's a saga. First chapter, four damage to each creature non-giant creature, I should point out, and each planeswalker, which is, you know, it's Storm's Wrath, but one mana more. But then on top of that, second saga, Scry 3. Third one, whenever you cast a spell with CMC 5 or greater this turn, draw two, then discard a card. So just a sweeper that is a little less good than what you expect, but then a ton of value added on later. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, interesting place I could see this ending up if you're building a deck and thinking like, I want an extra sweeper, but I'm afraid I'm going to play like sweeper tribal, right? And you end up like drawing a bunch of sweepers and like no way to win the game or you need more spot removal. So you don't want to trim that, but you don't even want to trim card advantage and you get stuck in this awkward spot. I can imagine Battle of Frost and Fire being a very nice way to like round out that sweeper package while also packing a little bit of value because you don't want to miss that. This might allow you to like, you know, 
cut one of your four gear hulks or something. And then like I still have a bit of value and I can still get through the game a little bit easier. But now I do pack that extra sweeper because locally I'm facing a lot of vampires or something like that. Yeah. I wanted this one to work in giants in general. One, and then you could play what's what's the two minute one, the invasion of giants or whatever. Um, that was actually being played in uh, prime time for a little bit. In modern. Oh, is that the Simic one? No, it's 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 is it? Oh, the uh, the is it one the invasion of the giants? Yeah, one on the red. Yeah. Chapter one, scry two. Uh, chapter two, draw a card, then reveal a giant from your hand. If you do, you can deal two damage to an opponent or planeswalker. And then third chapter, the next giant spell you cast costs two last cast. Which at that point it, you are in turn four, so you could cast a six drop, which is prime time. Ta-da! Yeah, but now people just cast that thing on turn two. <laughs> Hooray! We've we've grown. It's healthier. <laughs> to be honest, if I would play modern, I would be looking at prime time. I think that deck is super cool. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Like, do we even have any cool giants in Pioneer? I think we've gone over this before. Uh, so sad. We have bunkers of giant. Then, like, it's it's Kalheim yeah. We, we missed the cycle. Constructed. I think. Are they from M13? Or maybe even like M12 or something, the Titan cycle. Uh, Primeval Titan is from M12 was the one we missed out on. Ah, okay. Well, M13, we don't have M13 either. So we no. would need to add like, go if we would want to go Pioneer a little bit back further, we would have to add like Innistrad stuff, which you probably don't but want we've, to do. We've, we've talked about adding M13 before. And like, I, I still oh. wish M13 was where it started. But no, we don't. We don't need that. Oh, but M13 is so cool. I I, I, know, I seriously but... don't think there's anything in there that's broken. No, we don't need. We don't need Innistrad. No, 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 um, no. We don't need Innistrad. I'm just saying M13 by itself. M13. That's, it, that's the one immediately oh, yeah. before Return to Ravnica. The one set immediately before. Um, and it had a uh, Cranko, um, Master of the Pearl Trident uh, from Merfolk. Yep. Yep. Um, Some shitty Ajani no one cares about. <laughs> the one thing it does, it does have, uh, what's the one card that, that we worried about with um, Niv to Light? This starts with an F. It's the enchantment. Um, fuck. Hmm. Um, what does this enchantment do? It does something with mana that just helps. Like, it, it would help with fucking Niv. Green. Um... Farseek? Is that what it is? It's a ramp Um, I think Farseek is from... Rapid no, yeah, it's Farseek. It's from N13. Oh, yeah, we'd, have, we'd have Rapid Growth in our format, which would be a little scary. We'd also have Elvish Arc Druid. Please. Which would be... <laughs> Give it to sweet. me. Farseek? Yeah, Farseek is the... Yeah, uh... Farseek. Search library for a Plains, Island, Swamp, or Mountain card put onto Battlefield Tap and Shuffle Your Library. Just a way to, like... You help. can search out Triumph. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the thing. Yeah, we don't need that. Yeah, and at the nope. at the time it was used for nope. um shocks, but yeah, similar thing. Yeah, yeah, nope, nope. No, Farseek would be uh, uh, a little too much. Uh, Triumph would instantly be like thirty dollar cards. But funnily enough, that's fair. Like that one ramp spell is like the only thing I look at. It's like really scary. Like I think I think we could do yeah, this like Tusk and stuff. But no, no. I I think Thrag Tusk would be fine. I don't think it's that good. Yorion. So I mean, I'm not. 
the Orion Charming Prince. I'm not trying to relive that. That is scary. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, I, I can imagine you don't want a single card that takes you back to those times. That's I, I can't blame you for that. That was busted. Oh, uh, let's see. Yeah, I don't see much else. Oh, there's the one vampire I thought was really cool. Nocturnus? What was it? Yeah, Vampire yeah. Nocturnus is awesome. That won't be I would I would fucking play that. But amazing. this could be almost an entirely different episode talking about this starting point. So You're right. I think um if we uh don't have any other cards to talk about. Now, um I think an interesting one here is to sort of throw back to the audience. Again, we went through basically all of Pioneer's cards, and I am sure that we missed a ton. Um, yeah, once you get to like the letter C, you've already read a few hundred cards and your brain yeah, says go like on, I, so. I read it in like <laughs> parts of like 500 to a, to 1,000, which is fine. But when you get to like card 800, you do start to, to skim cards more than yeah, you yeah. want to. Um, exactly. Especially if you've gone through a whole page where they were all shit. And then your brain is in that mindset of like just absorbing colors and then moving on to the next page. Uh, so if people have any awesome cards or build-arounds or things they maybe want us to comment on in the next episode, or maybe you can think of that 3 plus 4 plus 5 mana card, which uh, I think, looking back, I said was a total of 9. That's 12 mana, by the way. Um, that you have to put together with Dream Devourer um, in order to pull off some stupid combo that is genuinely impossible without. So if you have any of these ideas... <laughs> I'm very sorry. I got distracted by the card Angel's Mercy from M13, which is four mana for an instant card that gains you seven life. Um, but Hooray. <laughs> we we broke the game. Isn't there a one mana gain five now? There's one mana gain eight. Is there fucking really? Yeah, life goes on from Amoket. It's one green and it's four mana, except if a creature died this turn, uh, four life, except if a creature died this turn, then it's eight life. Amazing. Uh, and that is an instant we've too. <laughs> we've really evolved. Um, but so if you have any ideas, cards to talk about, awesome brews you've had, cool, maybe this inspired you to come up with some brew, uh, with any of the cards we talked about, drop them in the mailbag, send them to us on Twitter, whatever. Um, you know, we'd, uh, we'd obviously love to hear all the ideas that you have and we could talk about them in a future episode. But with that being said, um, you know, I, I noticed I'm suddenly doing the wrap up. Um, it's very yeah. unusual. This is usually your job, Brad. But Jay, I, I want to take the reins. You know, I want to thank you very much for um, coming on to the show. Um, thank you for having me on. Yeah, it was cool to have you on. And um, I, Brad, you do this stuff. I forget inked gaming reminders <laughs> out the door. We are the Pioneer Perspective, the official podcast of the Playway Discord server. We do have merch on inkgaming.com if you want to get some merch for the actual server, whether it's Playaway or ourselves in general. We have it available. Link in the description. But there's a second link. If you don't want the stuff with our face on it or the Playaway logo, you can get anything you find cool on inkgaming.com and just hit the affiliate link and it still helps us out and proceeds go to the show. Thank you so much for that, by the way. Secondly, we have social media. I am Brad Zephyr on Twitter, Alex is Disciple Bullis, and Jay, the floor is yours. You are our guest. Give us anything you want to go off of, your socials, anything else you're working on, whatever you want the audience to know about. You can find me at MTG Drip on Twitter. Hooray. Are you still writing articles? Uh, not at the moment, actually. I am taking a break for uh, quite a bit of time, actually. 
Well, if you want to find any of his older articles, which can still be relevant, of course, to the Pioneer uh, format, uh, definitely take a look at them. Uh, where did you write the articles at? Oh, uh, so you actually have to message me for those because most of those I still have on my Google Docs. Look at that. So we got some behind the scenes stuff. Go ahead and bother him on Twitter. Get some uh, insight to Pioneer. And the most important thing, if you have any drip to show off, whether it's Pioneer, Modern, Legacy, Vintage, I don't give a fuck what format. If it's pretty, show it to him and let him give you his seal of drip approval. Yeah, you, you need please. the seal of approval. That's that's what I initially knew from a Brad. I think it's going to be honest. Like, is that the guy who like has to approve if my deck is pretty on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Carmen Handy told me it's like one in an Emmy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. Um, like, and it, it's fun, and that it, it these are our babies, these are our cards, and if you want your deck to look cool, it's it's kind of it's part of the game. It's I, I came from Yu-Gi-Oh, so like that's literally drip.tcg where everything has to be pretty, like everything, yeah. because they're the powerful cards too that cost ninety dollars a piece, and you need three of them. But anyway, that's not that's not what we're talking about. It's fine. That's fucking. Fun. Hey, you mean Ragavan? I, I don't play Yu-Gi-Oh anymore. I thought you were talking about Ragavan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's that's fucking true. But the most important thing is Alex already touched on the mailbag, so I'm going to do that anymore. But if you want to be on a mailbag, yeah, you can do that. You can also message us on Reddit, Twitter, all that good stuff. Or the server. But at the end of the day, we love you. We appreciate you. We could not do this show if it wasn't for you guys listening every week. You guys are the best. And hopefully you'll listen to us more next week. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.